Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to another edition of Grey Wolf Wrestling. My name is Nims Azor, and normally I waffle on for a bit here, but I'm pumped for this week's episode of the GWW. We've got the one and only hardcore legend himself, Mick Foley, here with me. Mick, welcome to Grey Wolf Wrestling. How are you going? Good. How's, how's everything there in Oz? Yeah, we're getting by. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it is great to still have the WWE going strong in these crazy times. Now, Mick, I know you get this question a lot. In fact, I've even asked this before, but King of the Ring 1998 and the Hell in a Cell match with you versus as Mankind versus The Undertaker, it's one of the most brutal matches in WWE history. What was the feeling like for you going into this match? Uh, as far as the atmosphere... I, it was, you know, it was an eerie, uh, yeah, there was a lot on the line. Um, people had seen one Hell in a Cell match before. Uh, actually done a very short Cell match to promote uh, to promote the match with me and Undertaker, but, you know, it was very short. It was a tag team match that no one remembers. So we felt like we had a lot to live up to, and... Uh, I started the match in a way that I thought would make it memorable. Um, but the, uh, the the atmosphere was, I would describe it as ominous. Like, uh, people knew my reputation for taking chances. Um, and I think that people thought anything could happen here, but I don't think anybody expected, uh, uh, you know, expected the match to start on top of the cell to go back up there. I think we exceeded everyone's expectations there. Yeah, I think you blew the expectations out of the water with that match. You took a hell of a beating, including the famous fall off the top of the cell, and both you and Taker were pretty banged up after the match. It's a bit of a loaded question here, but in hindsight, any regrets over the legacy of that match and the impact it's got on you today? Oh, wow. Yeah, I would say uh, I don't want to sell... I could think it may have shortened my career. It was definitely the uh, point from which I believed in my own mortality. Uh, so everything was different uh, following that cell match, for sure. Um, I don't have any regret. I mean, I have you know small regrets about some things I did later in my career. But no, I don't regret uh, starting that match up on top of the cell. I mean, things did not work out like uh, I had hoped. And uh, the uh, the cell collapsing uh, when I was choke slammed still has fallen uh, out for me. Uh, I did just pay four hundred twenty five dollars US for a new bottom flipper, uh, which are false teeth, where the teeth that were knocked out in that cell, and I'll and I'll have to pay another fifteen thousand or so to get those teeth fixed. Uh, so I still uh, I'm still aware of that match every single day. Um, but it, uh, it it really touched people and continues to touch people who weren't even born when the match took place. So in that case, no no regrets about uh, the battles I had myself. Well, that match happened in 1998, and we're still talking about it today, and almost any time a Hell in a Cell match is mentioned, your name follows pretty closely after it. Do you think we'll ever see a Cell match that one day might top your one? <laughs> well, I mean, that was the most memorable match I wouldn't say, it, I mean, I think uh, on a lot of levels, the superstars have had that much better matches inside the cell. Um, but I, it'll be tough to top that as far as being memorable. 
But I know that uh, each WWE superstar who steps in there has put a lot of thought into, uh, you know, trying to create uh, a memory that fans can uh, hold on to for a long time. Well, one of the matches at Hell in a Cell this year is Drew McIntyre defending his WWE Championship against Randy Orton. When Drew was let go from the WWE all those years ago and he went around the world and wrestled and built up a reputation as a box office talent, you were a very big supporter of his. I remember you actually shared a lot of his matches and his work on your socials and said that he was one to watch. And equally, you and Randy Orton also have a storied history. I mean, both of you famously had a very brutal classic at Backlash 2004. Drew and Randy are really neck and neck when it comes to the MVP of 2020. It seemed back then you saw them as guys that were going to be mega in the future. Is it nice to see them meet your expectations? Oh, well, geez. Um, as far as Drew, uh, it doesn't... I mean, anytime someone becomes WWE champion, they are... Uh, they're outperforming people's expectations. So I knew Drew had it in him to be, uh, you know, a top-tier WWE superstar. But, uh, yeah, even I'm surprised that he's... Uh, he became WWE champion. That was what eight months ago, seven, six, seven, eight months ago at WrestleMania. And I think he's really been part of the glue that's held uh, uh, the WWE together during a really. It's been a really difficult time, and I think they've done an incredible job adapting. But yes, I am surprised that he has done. Uh, he's absolutely reached the peak uh, that he has. And as far as Randy. It doesn't surprise me that he became the, uh, you know, amazing superstar he is. What does surprise me is how he's been able to reinvent himself over the years and still stay at the top of his game, you know, 14, 16 years after he and I had that legendary matchup at Backlash. So one last question for you, Mick. You and The Undertaker's careers are very intertwined, and we saw earlier this year one of the first ever behind-the-curtain documentaries about Taker in The Last Ride, about the man behind the wrestler. Any chance that we might see a Three Faces of Foley Last Ride-style documentary on the network? Uh, well, I think... <laughs> I think my story has already been told uh, very well by WWE and uh, the DVD for All Mankind. And then I was a big part of the Monday Night Wars um, series, so, uh, I, yeah, I don't. I think WWE has already done a great job of covering my, uh, you know, my career. I don't know. I, I, I don't think there will be a documentary coming my way. And I also want to point out that uh, the, uh, the special they did on my rivalry with Triple H from 2000 is also amazing. So there's plenty of stuff for people to watch if they want to learn about my career. And I recommend they do that ASAP. Mick Foley, it is always a pleasure to chat to you, man. Stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you back in Australia soon. And thanks so much for taking some time to talk. You're welcome. An absolute Hall of Fame human that Mick Foley is. And when the world opens up again, hopefully soon we can have him back on our shores because he's a really, really good dude. I got to meet him a few years back and he could not have been a nicer guy. That wraps up this edition of Grey Wolf Wrestling. Make sure you get your ears on the latest episode of Reliving the War where myself and Simon Tackler are joined by Andrew Rose from Triple M as we look back at Halloween Havoc 1996. And keep your eye out on the rest of the Grey Wolf Entertainment offerings. AFL might have come to a close, but trade period is heating up, and I'm sure Johnny and the Madman Matty Grace will have that covered. 
we might have to twist Madman's arm to talk about uh, AFL now that Geelong lost in the grand final, but oh well. But uh, Ned's also got some cool interviews in the pipeline and a great back catalogue there. You can check it all out at greywolfentertainment.net. But the best place to stay up to date is our socials. That's greywolfent on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date. Thank you for listening. My name is Nim Cazor, and I'll see you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.